Welcome to Your American Heritage with your host, Ed Bondarenka. Our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. Good morning, folks, and welcome to Your American Heritage. Uh, my, my name is Ed Bondarenka. I'll be your host today for the next hour. I've got a couple guests coming aboard. And the purpose of this show, as you may know, is to discuss our current events in the event of our American heritage, our uh, Christian heritage, our political heritage. Uh, and so having said that, there are some things that have been, oh, conflicting in the political arena lately. And one of those is freedom of religion. And another one is the overreaching control of the state. And that's all under the guise of the coronavirus pandemic. Once again, uh, there is a coronavirus. There really is. And it hits some people really hard. And the people at its hardest seem to be those over 60 years old with certain what they call comorbidities. So these would be like diabetes and obesity and emphysema and a number of other things uh, that can weaken a person so that this coronavirus has more of an effect on them than say a school kid, a college kid, a sports professional. Although there are some people who have had it and have been in the hospital I had a good friend who was in the hospital and they thought he had it and he didn't. Turned out he tested three times, he didn't have it. But from all the descriptions, he had it. And he was a good, you know, a young, healthy guy like myself. <laughs> so having said all that, the state has come in in a number of uh, states. When I say the state, I mean the state in generic uh, as in the uh, our political overseers. And in California, they shut down all the churches. Now. Gretchen Whitmer did that here in this state, and everybody was going virtual. But then after a while, the Great Lakes uh, Justice Center sued her, and she agreed to open churches. There are other churches in other states that have not been, and they've been rightly so. They've been fighting their governor, such as in California, Governor Gavin Newsom. One Bible pastor uh, John MacArthur, who's pretty well known, he has a lot of uh, YouTube and radio ministry going on, has a large church in California, and he decided to open. And he's faced a lot of, oh, retribution from Governor Newsom over this, blocking his parking lots, threatening to turn off the water and the power so he can't have services. And he's been having services anyhow. And he recently made a statement at a sermon, and it was put on YouTube, and I posted it on my blog and on Facebook, and a number of people did likewise because it was it was a pretty interesting approach uh, for a church pastor to take to this, to speak out as loudly as he has. And then YouTube took it down yesterday before I could get an audio clip of it. Oddly enough, I found a different YouTube clip of the same thing. So I'd like to play the audio of that for you. So here you go. I haven't made really any comments about uh, COVID or the 
lockdown and whatever else is going on in what is called a pandemic. I don't want to offer myself as any kind of an expert, but a rather telling report came out this week. And for the first time, we heard the truth. 6% of the deaths that have occurred can be directly attributable to COVID. 94% cannot. Of the 160,000 people that have died, 9,210 actually died from COVID. There is no pandemic. Wait for it. And that's what you've been thinking. We've all been suspicious of the fact that um, we've been meeting together now for weeks and weeks and weeks. We don't know anyone who's ill. Nobody in our congregation has ever been to the hospital with this. Uh, it's clear to us the fabrication of numbers because they're including people who had two or three comorbidities, all of that. We know there are reasons for this that have nothing to do with the virus. There's another virus loose in the world, and it's the virus of deception. And yeah, the virus of deception, folks, there is a battle going on. There's a spiritual battle going on. And this spiritual battle is trying to shut down the churches that were actually a basis for the American Revolution. It was the Black Robe Brigade, the pastors in this country that led this country to freedom from tyranny. And they need to do it again. Uh, John MacArthur recently got a call from uh, from Donald Trump uh, congratulating him on his stand. And if you're not in a church, you need to find a church. You need to find a church like that one, one that's willing to stand up and stand up to the government, one that's not willing to be complicit in their own persecution, one that's ready to stand up for the, the gospel, not just resistance to the state, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, not this church. Give me a second. Do you support racial justice, equity, and compassion in, re in human relations? Yes. Do you affirm that white privilege is unfair and harmful to those who have it and to those who do not? Yes. Do you affirm that white privilege and the culture of white supremacy must be dismantled where it is present? Yes. Do you support racial equity, justice, and liberation for every person? Yes. Do you affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person? Yes. Therefore, from this day forward, will you strive to understand more deeply the injustice and suffering white privilege and white supremacy cause? Yes. Folks, I gotta tell you, if you find yourself in a church and you hear stuff like that, which, you know, on the surface sounds good. We wanna resist, we wanna resist white supremacy. We want to resist uh, racism. These are all good things. Jesus wants us to reach out in love to our neighbors. And he said our neighbors are not necessarily the people we like, if you remember the story of the Good Samaritan. But if you find yourself in a church where that's the sermon instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's one of awokeness, it's one of uh, compliancy to the government persecuting you by insisting that you have 
white privilege and that you are racist when you know darn well deep in your soul you're not, flee, run, run from that church as fast as you can. You can give me a call. I'll tell you at least one church I know of, if not a couple. And it seems like uh, we need to be starting to set up a network of what churches are, what churches, and where we should be going. But ask your friends, ask around. You'll find a church you need to be going to if you're going to find a church, if you're going to find yourself in a church where the gospel is one of social justice and not that of Jesus Christ. So, sermon ends, and now we begin the rest of the show. Now, once again, we are in a spiritual battle, and we are in a political battle, and there are forces out there that want to tear down this country, and there are forces out there that want to build it up, good guys and bad guys. And there's a guy running for office in Detroit against one of the bad women, Rashida Tlaib. And as such, his name is David Dudenhofer, and I'd like to bring Dave on. Dave, welcome to Your American Heritage. How are you doing? Hey, thank you for having me on, and uh, it's, it's a pleasure to get up early in the morning to be with you and your listeners. Thank you. So, there's a struggle. One of the things I want to say first off is, folks, you don't know David Dudenhofer. Oh, maybe you do. Some of you do. I'm sure you do. I don't know him personally, but I know who he's running against. And you've got to remind yourself, every time you see Rashida Tlaib on, on video, anytime you listen to her, unless it's one of these more reasoned political ads that she's running at the moment where she actually sounds rational and she's not calling the, uh, President Trump an MFer, and she's been decidedly silent lately because I don't think they want her talking right now because of the election coming up. You must remember that you need to support David Dudenhofer as much as you can. Find his campaign, he'll tell you about it. Send him money, vote for him, volunteer if you can, and get him into office. Did I get that right, Dave? Absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting. You talked about the ads that she's been running. Um, it, it's, it's really indicative of the basement campaign many of the Democrats have been running, hiding behind this veil of this so-called plandemic, scamdemic that I've, I've been calling it. Um, and, you know, the idea is, is that they're the incumbent, um, you know, the governors and these Democrat states have pretty much made it virtually impossible to traditionally campaign. And, uh, you know, they feel they can just sort of hide behind this uh, virus and, uh, you know, just sail into another election. But what we have to do is recognize that this is an opportunity to expose the lies to expose the fraud uh, that they are perpetrating and uh, and really take the opportunity to get God-fearing people back into public service where they belong and get the people who are uh, otherwise against Christian teaching uh, and against the philosophies of this country, get them out of public service and, and really out of public service permanently. It's not even service. <laughs> it's public self-aggrandizement. There's a difference between service and then serving yourself. You know, you mentioned uh, a lot of the terms for uh, the corona right now, and one I like is dem panic, as opposed to pandemic. It's 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 all it's all constructed in such a way as to influence this election. And by you've got two different forces. You've got those that are knuckling under it, uh, and looking like they're reasonable people for hiding in their basement, like you said. And then you've got Donald J. Trump who's going out and speaking to large audiences. And like Pastor MacArthur said in his sermon, 
who got sick. He's got thousands in his church. He's monitoring this stuff closely. Nobody's gotten sick. This is all not in his congregation, not because they went to church there. Let me be clear. People do get sick from this, but only 6% end up dead of it because they had this and this alone. My brother, I shouldn't give this up. Somebody I very well know, erase that what you heard about my brother. Somebody I very well know told me the other day he tested positive for this because he was getting physical therapy from an accident he was in. And he found out he tested positive. To him, it was like a slight version of the flu. But now it's impacting his life. He had some some soreness in his body and some, you know, you know, the flu hits you. And now all of a sudden it's contact tracing and what are you doing and where have you been? And it's it's this intrusive invasion into our lives. But David Dudenhofer, how did you get into this race for this district? And which district are you in again? And what does it cover? Okay, so I'm in Michigan's 13th congressional district, which covers, uh, it's actually the only district that's wholly contained in one county. So we're in Wayne County. It covers half of Detroit from Woodward Avenue West. It goes through the city of Wayne and covers 11 other uh, suburban communities just outside of Detroit. Um, I am currently the 13th district chair for Michigan Republicans elected back in 2013 and got involved in politics uh, in 2007. It was the presidential campaign of Dr. Ron Paul. And when the campaign had concluded, many of us had determined that, you know, simply pulling the lever and going away isn't cutting it. What can we do on a daily basis to stay active and to really understand that elections are short-term sprints, but holding our elected officials accountable to their oath and to the rule of law is a long-term marathon. That's a daily thing. So what do we, and out of that, that outgrowth of um, enthusiasm, we formed the Campaign for Liberty. And here at Michigan Campaign for Liberty, our goal was to empower citizens to teach them how to hold their elected officials accountable and specifically their local elected officials, being with the understanding that uh, holding local government accountable is, is much easier than it is to really take on the state or even the federal government. So uh, so that's what I did. I traveled the state with my partner. Uh, his name was Tony DeMott. And we would travel the state teaching activists and citizens how to do that. Just basic stuff, basic civics that were not being taught in school anymore, really. Um, and from that, uh, as I said, uh, my peers elected me chair. Fast forward to uh, 2019, and it became clear that we really needed to put somebody competent, uh, somebody that could articulate the issues, and somebody that wasn't going to attack her religion. And the right. reason why I say that is because if we just attack her religion as so many wanted to that stepped up and said they wanted to run against her, then we create a victim out of her and we really uh, paint ourselves into the corner that the left claims that we are. When in fact, all we really have to do is to go after her socialism and her anti-American philosophy. So the committee decided, hey, you know, we've had all of these people that said they wanted to run and they were going after these superficial things. You're staying with that red meat argument, David. Why don't you just run? And so, you know, I, I talked it over with my wife. I, I, you know, I prayed on it and I thought, you know what, let's do this. 
And so that's how this came about. Okay. And you have a website? Yeah, the website is Dude for Congress. It's just short for Dudenhofer because people may not remember that long last name. Uh, and, it, and it really is a moniker that's kind of traveled with me and my family, my brother and my father for years. But uh, so that's where it comes from. But it's Dude, D-U-D-E, the number four, Congress.com. They can also find me at ReplaceRashida.com if they want to go there as well. That's easy to remember if spelling Rashida might not be so easy. So I guess the dude abides was already taken, huh? Uh, correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, is, uh, this is something that's followed me all through politics, and we have fun with it. But uh, honestly, the signs are working. I mean, when you, when you go down and you see yard signs at your local gas station or what have you, it just looks like a sea of red and blue and whatever other colors. But this dude thing sticks out. And so many people have found me online just by looking at that dude and saying, I, I've never seen that before. Who's the dude? And so they look it up. <laughs> but then when they go to the website, they actually find the what. They don't just find the why. They find the what. They find the red meat of why I'm running. And it's not just to replace Rashida. It really is to restore the constitutional representative republic that we were guaranteed, that we were promised. And that's just getting back to the basic foundation of understanding that this government was formed out of the philosophies, really, of natural law. And that natural law comes from our faith, right? And that government's purpose is to secure our God-given rights. And that the officials inside of government are there to defend our liberty as an individual by, by applying the law equally to every individual, now, if you just yeah. think about that foundation and then take a look at what government's doing today, it's the complete opposite, with the, with the exception of very few. And I, and I really think that Rashida Tlaib is just a reflection of the bigger problem. And so we really have to have people that are not just willing to take out these anti-American socialists, but really go in there with the correct philosophy and foundation for which to build on. And I think That's we can all be better off for that. That's that's much to be applauded. Yes. I mean, the fact that you, we do not want to attack somebody for their religion, unless maybe they're Satanists, out and out Satanists, then I'll go after their religion. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is to actually allow people to practice their religion as long as it's not, you know, uh, one that murders babies as part of the ritual sacrifice. People, this is America. We have freedom of religion here. And she leaves herself so wide open to, uh, you know, she's the representative. She's not the representative from your district. She's the representative from Palestine. You know, she's part of the squad. She's uh, an associate of AOC and uh, uh, Ilhan Omar and um, Ayanna Presley. You know, she's the loudmouth. She's the one I can't even play audio clips to show how bad she is because the FCC would have a fit if I played some of the words she uses on the air. And and she's a socialist. She's she may stand in front of a flag, but she is anti-constitution. And the constitution is what binds Americans together. It's the charter. And if you are not willing to abide by the constitution, I challenge whether you really are an American or not. You may be born here. You may have the name. You may have it, you know, somewhere on, not on a birth certificate. But you know, it's it's part of being America is to ascribe to the agreed upon charter, the constitution. So um, anything else you want to tell us about yourself? We have about three minutes left. 
Yeah, I mean, I live in the uh, city of Detroit. I've been a lifelong Wayne County resident. I was married uh, for the first time just last year. And I'm expecting, uh, or we are expecting our first child uh, the first week of November. Uh, Could be election night, which is interesting. Congratulations. uh, Yeah, thank you so much. Um, And so, you know, there's, uh, to me, there's great opportunity here for all of us. When I came into this, it was more of a philosophical run. But as 2020 unfolded, we we really see, began to see up close the the government overreach and abuse of power that some in gov- government are capable of. And we saw this through the lockdowns and we've saw we've seen this through the um, the the protests in the street. And I really think if people were to think about it, they would be marching in unison because of government abuses and overreach and then, and of course the abuse of power because that's what really all of it comes down to yes there are a few officers out there who abuse their role but let's not forget it was lawmakers that gave them some of these abuses to begin with it was lawmakers that gave some of these executives the ability to abuse their power really all of us black white young old whatever we are wherever we're from we ought to be marching in unison together and I think that, uh, you know, they, they have really done a fantastic job of divide and conquer. And uh, that, that's really anti-Christian. So we've got to remind ourselves and start working together um, to remember who it is that we're fighting. And it shouldn't be each other. So I, I'm just trying to bring that sense into this race and, and bring that into D.C. to also recognize that if we need to get things done without compromising our liberties and our personal freedoms, We've got to be willing to work with people who may not agree with us philosophically all the time. And just as a foundation, I mean, what we see from Rashida Tlaib is she's only willing to work with people who think exactly the way she does. And that's just not going to get it done. So while we can disagree on some, you know, what I would call major philosophical differences, there's also some practical applications of being in government that she's just not, you know, following and I think is just not serving the district or the community at all. So um, I want to help out this way. And yeah, go ahead. Well, that's right. So she's serving a larger constituency. She's a, a national figure and not a Detroit figure. What is she doing for her district? What is what is she doing for the people who live there? Uh, one more time, your website. Yeah, it's dudeforcongress.com. That's D-U-D-E, the number four, congress.com. All right. And and folks, I want to stress once again, Dave Dudenhofer is standing up in the fight against Rashida Tlaib. She may not be your uh, congresswoman. You may say, I don't have a dog in the fight, but think about it. You do, because elections these days are pan-national. They're across the nation. There is outside money coming in to support Rashida Tlaib all the time. And your outside money can come in and it can support the person who's trying to remove her from office, remove remove her ideals from office, remove social, you know, one, one chink, one stone out of the wall of socialism and tear that wall down. <laughs> Dave, thank you very much for coming on today. God bless you and, and may God bless your effort to uh, um, to overcome this obstacle to America being great again, one of one of many. And uh, 
May God bless you in your attempt to take this house seat. And let me know if there's anything else we can do to help. One more time. That's, Thanks so much for having me on. Okay. One more time. That's dudeforcongress.com. Correct. All right. Thank you very much, Dave. David Dudenhofer, folks. There you go. All righty then. Uh, we have about like uh, five seconds before the music comes on. So what I should do is just talk and then fill that time. And then eventually the music will come up and then we'll know that it's time to get ready for break. I'd like you to come back after the break, grab yourself a kafefi and join me for the second half hour. Thank you very much. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We were made to be courageous. We were warriors on the front lines, standing unafraid. Welcome back to Your American Heritage, the second half of the show. First half went pretty good, no major flubs. So thank you, Jesus. Let's pray now that the second half goes well. It's a blessing to you. Father, I ask you leading guidance over the following conversation with my guest, uh, Dr. Scott, and uh, the subject matter that we have going forward. And we appreciate that, your grace and mercy towards us, Father. Amen. And uh, before we have Dr. Scott on, I had a thought this morning I just wanted to share with you. There's a Latin phrase, in vino veritas, which is in wine, there is truth. But it occurred to me that in caffefe, forte, in coffee, there is strength. So if you need a moment to get a coffee, get a coffee. And uh, let's be courageous, let's be strong. And joining me today is Dr. Latane C. Scott. She's an author of many books, uh, about 20 co-author, most recently of Protecting Your Child from Predators. And in this time of where pedophilia is actually being promoted by many groups and not being pushed back at all to the degree that it should be. It's more important than ever that you know how to protect your child or your grandchildren. Having said that, Dr. Scott, are you there? Good morning. I'm, I'm here and uh, very happy to talk to your audience. Oh, good. And here is in a different time zone. So it's kind of earlier for you right now, right? You in uh, Albuquerque, in is it? And coffee veritas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your book, which I have a copy of, which actually you were kind enough to send me this copy a, a couple of months ago, uh, Protecting mm -hmm. Your Child from Predators. It's from Bethany House. And I was reminded of it recently um, because you had posted on Facebook that uh, it was on sale on Amazon right now. Is that true? Yes, um, I think it's around $8, which is very inexpensive. Um, I appreciate Bethany House for lowering the price on that to make it more accessible to more people. There is information in here that, that parents and grandparents need to know. Um, yeah. There is a, actually, perhaps you can have a follow-up book, Protecting Your Child from Public Education, but that would be another, <laughs> another well, topic. We, 
We actually um, do have a follow-up book. Um, we have just finished a book called, um, well, I don't, I, I can't remember the exact title, but it's from Bethany House, and it's about how to talk to your child or your teenager about sexual matters. And so Dr. Robinson, who is a uh, an expert on this, uh, has dealt in her own practice with many, many uh, parents, grandparents, and children, gives her wisdom about how to introduce the subject matter and how to, to pursue the subject matter with children of all ages. And the present book, Protecting Your Child from Predators, is divided into three parts um, where parents or grandparents can uh, start conversations with their children six and under, and then through the mid-years, and then um, 11 and older, so that our kids don't get the idea that sex is something that our parents don't know about, <laughs> you know, and that they're getting all their information from magazines and social media and their friends. Yes, and I'm glad you I'm glad you put it that way because uh, although we hadn't really planned out this conversation in advance, that was the uh, attack, so to speak, that I wanted to take towards discussing your book. The plan of attack is is to speak about the three sections that you have here. And I would actually like to have you, in a sense, give us the Reader's Digest condensed version of your book. Um, you can. Folks, whatever you hear here in the next 20 minutes on this show that Dr. Scott shares with you from her book is only a sampling of what's in here. And that's what I hope to give you is a sampling, something to uh, have you see that, uh, yeah, I should buy this book. I should I should buy this book for, for my, my kid who has his or her own kids dealing with these problems. So uh, let's talk about you a bit, Dr. Scott. Uh, tell us something about yourself, your your uh, credentials, your uh, what what have you written in the past? You like oh, you had like twenty books out. What's been the thrust of your authorship? My first book was published by Zondervan uh, over forty years ago, and it's still in print, which is kind of remarkable. And it's the story of how I, as a faithful Mormon, left the Mormon Church, and why I left it. And it came out in nineteen seventy nine, and then. A while back, I revised it because the Mormon Church is changing so much, uh, its doctrines, its practices, and so I revised it uh, with an emphasis on things like um, social media and the number of people who are leaving the Mormon Church and the concerns that they have. And uh, that, like I said, that stayed in print for uh, over 40 years. And then I've written other books about Mormonism and cults, but that has not been the focus of my writing. The focus of my writing, I guess, has been my own writing of theological studies and Bible studies, especially uh, for people with little Bible knowledge, so that they can become acquainted with Scripture. For instance, uh, my recent book, The Hinge of Your History, The Phases of Faith, which talks about how faith comes in phases, and if you can recognize those, how that will help you navigate um, the middle phase of faith, which is uh, being in a situation that's contrary or contradictory to the promises of God. But many of wow. my books have been co-written with people um, like Dr. Robinson. I'm doing my second book with her, as I said. But I also co-wrote Discovering the City of Sodom with um, archaeologist Dr. Stephen Collins, who has identified and excavated uh, 
under the authority of the Jordanian government, the biblical site of Sodom, and he did that. He discovered this site by using the Bible and the Bible alone. So I, uh, in in some cases, I write my own um, uh, uh, thinking, but in other cases, I'm very privileged to be a partner with people like Dr. Beth Robinson, who's, if we're going to talk about the credentials for this book, um, she has counseled with and actually been an expert witness in child abuse, child pornography, and other cases in Texas. And she is very, she very much has her finger on the pulse of sexual predators, how they work, how they get into your life, and what you have to do starting very early. And so to address your question about the, the three ages, um, one of the things, uh, just for instance, and am I am I taking this away, Ed? Do you no nope. want to stop? No, me? you're doing okay. fine. I, I was going to try and tell a funny story about Mormons, but uh, let's go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there are. In fact, there are let me do that stories, now. You know? I've, I've let the cat out of the bag. Okay. We had a previous guest on just before you, and we were discussing somebody who's a prominent uh, Muslim politician, and he pointed out he is not attacking her on her religion, and I want to make it basically clear that although I agree with you. I, there are many religions that I do not follow, believe follow the Bible. And I think Mormonism is one of them. I'm not opposed to Mormons. And I remember this very, uh, Barnett, they, uh, Dr., uh, Barna's research did a study about 20 years ago on self-described born-again people and found out that there were actually more born-again Muslims, and I'm sorry, not Muslims, Mormons, than in other denominations and uh, self-described, meaning that they only trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation and not their good works or their church. Having done that, one night we were having a Bible study and a fellowship at a friend's house with a number of people from our church, including my pastor. And I saw a couple of guys in white shirts on bicycles at the neighbor's house. And this is in the evening. And I thought, this ought to be fun. And so I told my friend, let me answer the door. And so when they came to the door, I talked to them a bit, and I says, they said, well, we want to tell you about Jesus Christ. I says, amazing, we were just talking about him ourselves. Would you like to come in and join us? And the look <laughs> on their face was priceless. And they did. And the look on my pastor's face was priceless. And everybody was like, what is wrong with you, Ed? And yet I believe I was operating under the Spirit of God when I did this. I believe I was led to do this. And so we had a nice conversation, and we asked these people, do you need the Book of Mormon to get to heaven? Can you understand God and his call for you and his desires for you and his covenant with you on just Scripture alone? And they agreed. And and. It was very interesting. We prayed for some of the needs they brought up. They prayed with us, and then they didn't stick around for the food, so you know they weren't really Christians. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's cheap dig. No. So we talked about it, and you just never know who you're approaching at the moment. So that's my mm -hmm. funny story about Mormons. So please continue. Well, I, I really distracted us. That's okay. I'd love to come back on and uh, give your listeners some simple strategies for um, addressing Mormon missionaries that don't require uh, deep knowledge of Mormonism. You don't have to be a debater or anything else, you know, to be able to, to make an impression on them. And maybe we can do that at a, another session, Ed. That would be great. Yeah, but, um, we might be able to do uh, that. 
So your first chapter, Know the Turf, Have a Plan, Protect Your Children. So do you want to discuss the age groups you were talking about and how to ha- handle that? Yes, we have children under the age of six, and I'd like to just give you some, some hints from Dr. Robinson as an example, because I think many people think they shouldn't be discussing anything sexual with their children under the age of six. But, of course, predators are, do not respect age barriers, and the younger the better for many of them. Um, but uh, some of the things she suggests is you keep your conversations with your, with your young child um, small but regular. She suggests only three to five sentences to talk about a topic. And, of course, you're not going to go into the detail you would with a teenager, but that you open up the subject so that the children understand that when they hear things from their peers or they see something on TV, you're open to talking about it. Um, that you have a conversation, not a lecture. You know, you draw them out to what they might know or think and, and then uh, try to guide them a little bit. Um, that when, you're, when your children ask you questions, answer them as honestly as you can. You know, the stork did not bring the baby, no. <laughs> you know, I think most little kids, they have so many misconceptions because they don't know. It's just out of their lack of knowledge. And then when mm-hmm. they bring up something that is potentially upsetting to you, don't react with emotion. Remember, you're the adult, and you're the one that is going to give the information and provide the solid uh, anchoring point. And one of the big points of this book is to create in your child not just a, a protected environment in your home and with your family, but to give your child a warrior heart. And that's why I love that song that introduced your show about being courageous and being warriors. The point of this book is to help your child develop his or her own warrior heart that mirrors the heart of Jesus in protecting young people and that they have strategies and uh, built-in courage to be able to resist the wiles of the devil, because even though this is a physical battle many times, it is also, as Ephesians tells us, uh, a, 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 a battle against principalities and powers that we can't even see. So there's, there's two aspects of that. Oh, yeah. and by, by keeping your children informed about your interest in, in all aspects of their lives, your, your openness to answer questions, and your ability to say to them, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find out for you. Kids learn to respect and to depend on that because they really do want their parents to help them through these, these difficult times. Excellent. Hey, speaking of questions, would you be uh, uh, open to taking any calls that somebody may have a question for you in particular? It just occurred to me somebody might actually be wanting to ask you something briefly. Um, just as long as they, they uh, keep in mind that I can't offer any um, counseling uh, advice for specific situations because I'm not a counselor. My Ph.D. is in theology, not, <laughs> not in okay. counseling, well, like Dr. Robinson. Let's so, see what happens I, then, you know. The fo- mm-hmm. Folks, the phone number is 734 822 1600 734-822-1600. My guest, uh, Latane C. Scott, uh, author of Protecting Your Child from Predators from Bethany House, uh, is uh, very informed on this subject. So I remember my wife telling me that uh, she took our son at a young age. This, when I say that, he's, he's uh, if you want to say stepson, and uh, 
so she was a single mom for a while. And I remember the story she'd tell me about taking him one day and, and just basically reading to him the Song of Solomon. And just, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, I think it had an effect in that, in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, sometimes you, you measure what's uh, not straight against what is straight, if you want to put it that mm-hmm. way. You know, you, mm-hmm. you hold up a standard. This is, this is how it's done. And, and it's mm-hmm. a very powerful way to use scripture. So would you please continue? Yes. Um, let me give you some, some information, or give your listeners some information. Um, 34% of child sexual abuse victims, and I will call them victims because they don't participate. A child does not have the ability, you know, to, to instigate anything like this under any kind of normal circumstances. But 34% of them are under the age of 9, and only 26 percent are between the age of 12 and 14. So you can see why it is important to start talking to children early and to open up lines of communication between you and your child so that when situations arise, you can talk comfortably about them. And um, we, think, we think of sexual abuse happening to women or to girls, to, but it happens uh, to males uh, as well, young boys. And um, well, it's- one, Go ahead. Well, it's interesting you should mention that. It's something I don't think of frequently, uh, but there was something that happened to me when I was a kid. I was an altar boy, and uh, I attended church regularly, and I went to confession one Saturday, and I mentioned something that I did in the privacy of my own bedroom to the priest, and uh, he got all upset about it, and he says, oh, this is really serious. I need to talk to you about this and counsel you about this uh, in the rectory after we're done here. And mm-hmm. I left that confessional thinking, there's no way on God Green's earth I'm going to that rectory. It was just, I didn't mm-hmm. give it much thought at all. Just, I, I would be embarrassed if nothing else. There was supposed to be a screen mm-hmm. between us. But me being an altar boy, he knew exactly who he was talking to. And mm-hmm. after that incident, two weeks later, he quit the priesthood for a mm-hmm. number of reasons. And I was just th- thankful that uh, I, I knew enough not to uh, follow that authority figure's advice at the moment. Is that something like you're talking about here? Well, we are, uh, but I'll tell you something that's kind of shocking. Forty percent of kids who are sexually abused are not abused by an adult. They're abused by a more powerful peer. Wow. No, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. And so we're not talking about protecting yourself although it, it is good to protect yourself against an ecclesiastical authority such as you had, because that does happen. Um, we found out with the lawsuits against the Boy Scouts, it's happened in that kind of setting, which we thought was safe, um, I, or I would have thought was safe. But really, we need to create this warrior heart in our children so that when they're encountered by someone who is physically or um, psychologically more powerful than they are, they can resist touching or suggestions or uh, sexting, you know, which is the sending of explicit photos over a phone, um, an explicit, uh, sexually explicit messages. We have to start to help them develop their own hearts so that they know, they, so that what you said, they know what's right. And it's something that varies from that is wrong. You know, if, if you know, uh, the, the what is good and pure and wholesome, and something feels like strange, exciting, and uh, mysterious, and 
uh, sexual, then you know, <laughs> you know to come to mom and dad's. And without the mom and dad saying, oh no, you know, we're like your priest did, you know, all is lost, <laughs> or saying, you know, I'm going to get you into counseling or whatever, that the first line of defense is in the child's heart. So that because you've been talking to them and talking to them about these things at an age appropriate level. And that's why this book is so important. Dr. Robinson has um, had many encounters with children six and under who have been sexually abused. And so she tells parents and grandparents how to introduce these subjects to her own children or his own children uh, of your listeners or grandchildren so that it okay. doesn't seem strange or odd to them because everything's new to a little kid. You know, everything's new to them. Uh, the world so is you... to be explored, you know. Um, but then later when we get into the uh, the older ages, things have to become a little bit more explicit. And you mentioned the Song of Solomon, Ed. I think this is very interesting that one of her strategies is to have, um, for instance, let's say that you and your wife have friends that are, um, that are you're in your age group and you're, wanting to start conversations with your teen. And I'm assuming probably, at this, in this case, some younger parents. And so you're uncomfortable talking about sexual things because in your tradition or your life, that was not done when you were a teenager. She suggests that uh, you sit down and read the Song of Solomon to each other as adults so that you get in your mind that sex is not something that God avoided talking about, so neither should you. And he was, I mean, uh, the Holy Spirit inspired, I believe, the, the Song of Solomon, and therefore those words and those concepts are part of a plenary or full life for someone. And it used to be, I think, in, in my generation, uh, that not talking about sex explicitly with your children, may have, you may have gotten away with it because there were not generally available sexually explicit materials to your child. But that's not the case anymore. So you have to be able to show, no, this is not. Um, the sex between uh, a man and a wife is something that God likes and commands. <laughs> you know, there are commandments yeah. in the Bible to have sex with your spouse. <laughs> exactly. Uh, sometimes, you know, you don't need to be commanded, thank God. Um, no, but, Dr. Scott, Dr. Scott, we have a caller on the phone, Joe from Wyandotte, who's going to have a brief question to you in the last few minutes we have here. Isn't that right, Joe? Yeah. Well, I don't have kids myself, but I mean, I hear the horror stories of many of them that the school systems are pushing this on our children earlier and earlier. So you're right if we don't broach that with them. And how do we get them to understand that it is a normal, natural thing, but it's for adults? Well, it's from it's you, for married adults. It's for married adults, and we need to make that, that plain to them. But you can set in place some rules, for instance, that are very practical, that will make sense to your child. For instance, you don't touch anybody, nor does anybody touch you in the area that is covered by a bathing suit, a swimsuit. That's easy, isn't it? Mm, yeah, they're getting smaller, but yeah. Yeah, but um, <laughs> they are getting smaller, but you say nobody can touch you because this is your body that God created for you. And one of the emphasis of the questions that or the conversation starters that's in this book is talking about how your body was created by God, and it's delightful to Him, and it will be delightful to your mate once you get married, 
and therefore you're going to protect it. But the the other thing about having a warrior heart, um, Joe, is that uh, you don't want to create an atmosphere of fear in your child. And there is a balance. There's a balance between being cautious and being scared to death every time anybody gets around you. But Okay, you Dr. Can... Scott, the music's mm-hmm. about to start. Joe, thanks for calling. Uh, folks, this has been Your American Heritage. I was looking at Derek. I to make sure I got that right. Thank you, Derek. And uh, Dr. Scott, protecting your child from predators, thank you very much. We'll probably have you on again. God bless you, you, folks, and join us next week, Your American Heritage. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous.